Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Won't you read it with me? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's still in there. We're going to talk about taking dominion over sin today. God bless you. You can be seated. Encapsulated in this verse is how we are delivered from sin. We are delivered from a world of sin when we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? No man can come to the Father except he is drawn by his Spirit. He that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as a sinner, before coming to God, our first step is called repentance. Everybody say repentance. We must repent. What is repentance? Repentance is changing how we think. Repentance is is when we turn from our sin. We make an about face. We were living one way and, and, and we were destroying ourselves and we were, we were bound by sin and we don't want to live that life anymore. So we come to the realization because God's drawing us in that direction. God, the Spirit of God is dealing with us and we have to turn from sin. And the only way we'll do that is if we begin to look at sin as exceeding sinful. Sin has to be ugly to us. Sin has to make us cringe. One thing that we are battling in the church today is that sin doesn't appear sinful anymore. Everybody thinks sin is just, uh, uh, what is it? Everybody thinks sin is... What do you think sin is? If we don't know what sin is, how are we going to be delivered from it? If we don't know what sin is, how can we turn from it? Let me try to explain it as simple as I know how. Sin is anything that goes against God. That's as simple as you can get it. Sin is anything that says, hath God said? That's when sin was introduced into the garden. Hath God said? Doubt came. The voice of doubt, the voice of the enemy came and stood in the face of God and said, watch me make your creation fall. And that's what he's doing today. The enemy is standing. That's why first we talked about walking in dominion of self, and then we talked about walking in dominion of Satan, and then we t started talking about walking in dominion of circumstances. Why? Because if we all are not in control of ourselves, if we can't control ourselves, we'll not be successful living for God. You have got to hear the voice of God and turn. 
You've got to have dominion over you. You've got to be able to tell you. I've got to be able to tell me. I'm not living that way anymore. And an action has to happen. It's called repentance. It's called changing how I think. I'm not going to live that way anymore. And then the enemy's going to come in and he's going to try to convince us that it don't take all that. And you've got to have dominion over that voice in your head telling you that you can't live for God. We'll get into it here pretty soon. What happened? Eve saw. Everybody said she saw. Eve saw that the tree was good for food. And it was beneficial in making one wise. And she took it. The enemy plants seeds of doubt and he plants seeds of rebellion and he plants seed of misunderstanding, hoping that we will lose control over self. You see why we learned about dominion over self and then dominion over Satan? Well, our self wants to say, yeah, but my circumstances won't let me. That's a lie. That's a lie. It doesn't matter our circumstances. We can walk in dominion over our circumstances. If we have dominion over ourselves and we have dominion over Satan, if we don't have dominion over ourselves, our circumstances will rule us. If we don't have dominion over ourselves, Satan will rule us. We've got to have dominion over self first. I have dominion over myself. I want to live for God. I have dominion over Satan. Thus it is written, I know the Word of God. I can stand up to the enemy today. i got to have dominion over my circumstances. That's why Paul said, I have determined whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. I was blessed to be able to go to Brother Carter's in Moorhead yesterday and hear Brother Kevin Archer preach one of the finest messages I've ever heard in my life on forgiveness. And he said in that message, he said, I'm talking about circumstances. He said somebody came to uh, an elderly lady. I believe he said she worked for the Red Cross. I'm not sure I'm going to get him to send me the message because I want to hear it again. This lady had had some terrible things happen in her life. And somebody came to her years later and began to talk about something that had happened to her that was very bad, very bad. It was awful. And they started talking to her about it and she said, I don't know what you're talking about. And they said, no. And they began to, with great detail, can't we, with great detail, list the things that had happened that were bad. And she said, uh, I'm, I can't recall what you're talking about. I don't know what you're, and again, they, they begin to try to let her know, I'm caring about you because I'm trying to help you know I know what you've been through. And she just said, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. And they said, how can you not know? She said, I distinctly remember forgetting that on purpose. I can point you to the day I said my circumstance will not have dominion over me. I will have dominion over my circumstance. I'm putting it under the blood and forgetting it. We would all do good for some situations in our life to forget them and let them stay forgotten. So we have to have 
dominion over self. We have to have dominion over Satan. We have to have dominion over circumstances. And today we're going to talk about having dominion over sin. Let's turn to the book of James. I hope you got your reading ears on because we're going to do a lot of reading today. We're going to stay in the book today. James chapter 1. We, we know everybody in here except Sister Autumn, and that will change here in a couple of weeks, right? Everybody in here has been baptized in Jesus' name. Everybody in here has received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. We just got to get the other part done. All right. So we know Acts 2.38 is how to get delivered from sin. How do we take dominion over sin? James chapter 1, verse 1. James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Somebody said, what? <laughs> it's a good way to start talking about sin. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. If you're going to live for God, you're going to have to have some patience. I would not suggest you pray for it. <laughs> Anybody that has ever done that said amen. But you better have some. You better have some patience in living for God. You better be able to wait on God. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Nobody except Jesus Christ is perfect. Nobody except Jesus Christ will reach perfection till we get to heaven. Then we'll know as we're known, we'll become like He is. So why are we supposed to be perfect? I need to help somebody understand today. Perfection is a direction. That'd make a good t-shirt, wouldn't it? Perfection is a direction. It depends on what direction we're headed in. It depends on where our feet are carrying us. If the, good, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and the Lord is ordering our steps, He's not going to order us into imperfection. He is going to order us into perfection. Perfection is a direction. We are being perfected. What did He say? And God gave gifts unto men. The fivefold ministry. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. That's why you need to be in the house of God every time the doors are open. You need to be hearing the preached word of God every opportunity you get. That's why I drove five and a half hours there and five and a half hours back and I heard one of the best messages and God helped me yesterday in such a way that had I not put in the time and had I not been there, I wouldn't have heard the word I heard. Well, when we're missing church and we're missing Sunday school and we're missing out on the preached word of God, that's why we make our, our, our lessons and our messages available because you've got to have preaching. God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We've got to be perfected. Then he said in verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men, literally, everybody say all. That means you and me. And upbraideth not, 
and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. you got to believe when you ask God to give you the ability to have dominion over sin, it will happen. Not it can happen, not it may happen. It will happen. God will give us wisdom to walk in dominion over sin. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let no man think that he shall receive anything. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't have a double mind and live for God. You can't say, well, I'll go down there to church because they make me feel good and I like to have friends, but I'm going to live my life during the week. You're not only unstable in your walk with God, the Bible says that person is unstable in all of their ways. And we've seen it, correct? Let Verse 9, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof faileth. And the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Endureth. Everybody say endureth. Y'all ever seen an enduro uh, motorcycle race? When I was a kid, one of my friend's dad rode, rode in enduro. Enduro motorcycle is it's a, like a dirt bike, like a motocross bike, but it has street legal lights on it it's a street legal dirt bike okay whatever that means I, I, I haven't seen it in years but it, it's an enduro race and they ride them down trails and they ride them through trees and they ride them in places that you can't ride a, a straight motocross bike and uh, my friend's dad got a trophy and the trophy was a motorcycle going up a tree because that's what he did on an enduro race one day. He drove his motorcycle up a tree. <laughs> he didn't turn when he was supposed to. Enduro. you got to be able to put up with some stuff if you're going to endure. In an enduro race, you got to know where to turn. you got to know where to dodge. you got to know where to stop. you got to know where to go. You've got to endure the hazards of the race if you're going to finish. And living for God, there's sometimes we got to turn, we got to stop, we got to go, we got to be, we got to. And you've got to be able to endure the hardness, as a good soldier, of living for God. You're not going to come and decide you're going to live for God and then when things get hard, not be able to put up with them. You got to have dominion over self. You got to have dominion over Satan. You got to have dominion over circumstances. You got to be a soldier. If you're going to be successful living for God. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. It's going to come. You're going to deal with it till Jesus comes. Your flesh does not want to live for God. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You love him because you're here. If you didn't love him, you wouldn't be here. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Why am I tempted? But every man, everybody say, that's me. Every man is tempted 
when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Your flesh, we'll get into this again in a little bit, your flesh does not want to live for God. Now you can stand and say, I want to live for God. You do. Your flesh don't. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived... It bringeth forth sin. So the beginning of sin is, I just read it. Come on, y'all listening today? The beginning of sin is lust. Who said it? Say it louder. The beginning of sin is lust. What is lust? When she saw, when Eve saw that the tree was good for food, she lusted after it. She craved it. She wanted it. You don't just go from Holy Ghost field to sin. There's some things that have to happen in your being before you allow yourself to sin. First, you've got to get your eyes on something that's not the will of God. The only way to do that is to turn away from the will of God. That's why we have standards. That's why we have things that we teach by the Word of God to keep ourselves. Why? Because we're still in this flesh. But that doesn't mean we can't have dominion over sin. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I think... Too many people don't understand. We'll read it here. I'm trying to, to make sure we understand through Scripture. When we sin, we die. I was born again. I have eternal life. God gave me eternal life. I'm alive till I sin. This isn't comfortable preaching. This isn't popular preaching. But if we don't understand, as a child of God, we do not sin. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Pastor Wood, you said we don't sin. Then why do we sin? Because we're drawn away by our lust. When I say we don't sin, I'm saying we ought not. None of us are perfect though, we make mistakes. But as, as fallen humanity, as people, as flesh, we make excuses for our inability to not sin. And we got to quit doing that. We've got to take dominion over that. Well, it's just my personality. Well, put your personality on the altar. Well, I was just raised, my mama was that way, my daddy was that way, so I know. Put, put, put your generation on the altar. That doesn't mean we're not going to struggle with it. It doesn't mean we're not going to fall. A righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up again. What does that mean? That ain't talking about going to Walmart shopping, falling in the aisle. That's talking about we're going to make a mistake, we're going to sin, we're going to mess up. 
But we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have an altar. We have mercy every day. But don't use that as an excuse to not take dominion over sin. Verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Well, they just made me mad. You're supposed to be able to control that. I didn't say we always do. But I'm preaching the word. That's why I'm staying in the book. <laughs> Pastor Wood ain't talking this. Pastor Wood's reading the book. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Everybody say engrafted. I have four apple trees I planted in my backyard. If the... the whatever they call them little Japanese beetle things, hadn't killed them, they're trying to come back out again. I'll end up one day having a tree like Brother and Sister Rogers with some apples on it. But that tree, a fruit tree, I've learned, they have what's called rootstock, and then they have the actual tree that grows the kind of fruit you want. The rootstock, they use a good rootstock that can handle drought and it can handle weather and it can handle disease, but then they graft on top of it, that rootstock, they graft on top of it what kind of fruit they want. I saw in a catalog years ago, I wanted to order one, but uh, I never did, and I'm glad because we were in Douglas and I wouldn't have brought it with me. They have a, a citrus tree. I think it grows seven different types of citrus fruit. It'll grow oranges, lemons, grapefruit, different kinds of, and they're all on the same tree. How do they do that? They graft the tree into the rootstock, and then they graft buds from those types of fruits onto that one tree, and it bears that fruit. Anybody ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? We're supposed to have that grafted into our lives. We're supposed to have, we're supposed to take the word. Why, why am I using that? Because he said we are to receive with meekness the engrafted word. If we don't take the word and graft it into our hearts, it does us no good. If all we do is come to church and hear the teaching or the preaching and we never apply it to ourselves, we will not bear fruit because that, that grafting will die if it's not engrafted into a living thing. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Why do I want to do what I hear and not just hear it? Deceiving your own selves. Here's what happens when we come to the house of God and we hear the the Word of God preached, and we hear the Word of God taught, and then we walk away and don't apply it. We deceive ourselves. That's how that person could tell me, I don't have sin in my life. Yeah, because you ain't applied the Word to yourself. You heard it. Y'all all right today? <laughs> it's getting quiet and new freedom. But this needs to be taught. This needs to be taught and it needs to be grafted into our hearts. 
For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. If I'd have went all the way to Moorhead, Kentucky and heard the great message I heard yesterday and it was for me. And then I drove all the way home and I didn't think about it and I didn't pray about it and I didn't ask God to put it in me and I didn't ask God to help me with it and I didn't apply it. I would have wasted $100 in gas and from I left at dusk. No, I, got, I left at dawn and I got home at dusk. I left at 5.30 and got home at 7.30. I'd have wasted all that time, energy, gas. Why, why go there? Now we can apply that to a 10-hour round trip and $100 in gas, why can't we apply it with an hour round trip? Why can't we apply it with a 30-minute round trip? And maybe in today's prices, I saw it was three twenty nine, Brother Rogers. It's coming down. You know why? Because election's coming up. It'll be under $2 by November, I'm sure. Why can't I apply that to every time I come to the house of God? When we have testimony, when we're worshiping, when, we're, when the preaching goes forth. We can't just be hearers. We've got to apply this to our life if we're going to take dominion over sin. But, verse 25, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. Everybody say, i got to continue. He being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, here we go. We're talking about taking dominion over sin. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. It's no good. If I can't control the most unruly member of my body, I'm wasting my time living for God. Not popular. That's why ain't nobody here but us today, I guess. <laughs> New freedom. We can take dominion over sin. And the place we sin more than anywhere else. Right here. We've got to take dominion over our tongue. That's not just in cussing, by the way, and you ought not be cussing. <laughs> it's in negativity. It's in lies. It's in gossip. I don't have time to preach on the tongue today. Maybe we will. But we got to have dominion over our tongue. The power of life and death is right here. Whether we live or die. The soul that sinneth shall what? Die. Where? Right here. Why? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when our, when our tongue defiles us, it should let us know our heart is defiled. No, we think we're, we're, we got this all together. No, the blah ought to let us know, God, I need help. God, I need your help. Talking about taking dominion over sin. Pure religion, verse 27, and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction 
and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Talking about taking dominion over sin. Let's turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18. It's very plain. The Bible is, is an amazing book. It gives us instruction. It gives us encouragement. It gives us ability. But only if we're a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So let's talk about dominion over sin in Ezekiel chapter 18. I'll try not to commentate as much. Man, I'm only on the second. Good night. This might be a six-week series. <laughs> but we need it, don't we? Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 1. The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What mean ye? That ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, Thy fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. What that proverb means, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. To break that down into this lesson, what that means is the fathers were bound by a certain sin and the son will be too. And what this is going to teach us is that's a lie. Generational curses can be broken. Are generational curses real? You better believe it. But can they be broken? You better believe it. We can take dominion over sin. Behold, verse 4 all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So if we sin, what are we doing? Dying. As a born-again, newborn Christian, when we sin, even though we were alive, we die. Thank God there's a remedy. I'm not saying it's over. I'm not saying we're useless. I'm not saying we're no good. I'm saying when we sin, we die. And death is on us. That's why we feel so bad when we sin. Because <laughs> the life that we have in Christ was snuffed out by sin. Verse 5. God just said in verse 4, All souls are mine. You're not going to put on somebody what I didn't put on them. Everybody gets a chance. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Verse 5, But if a man be just, and do that which is lawful and right, and hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither hath lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, neither hath defiled his neighbor's wife, neither hath come near to a menstruous woman, and hath not oppressed any, but hath restored to the debtor his pledge, hath spoiled none by violence, hath given his bread to the hungry, hath covered the naked with a garment, he that hath not given forth upon usury, neither hath taken any increase, that hath withdrawn his hand from iniquity, hath executed true judgment between man and man, hath walked in my statutes, Statutes, that's where we're going to take this whole con conversation because we're not under the law. That doesn't mean we do away with the law. That means Jesus came to fulfill the law. Remember, we, don't, we try not to live by the list. There is a list, and we ought to obey the list, and we ought to follow the list, but we don't live for God by the list. We get Christ in us, and it automatically shows up. We graft that, that piece of 
apple tree we want on that good root stock, and then we produce good fruit. He that walketh in my statutes, everybody say, I got to walk it, and hath kept my judgments. Everybody say, I got to judge. You got to judge between good and evil. To deal truly, he is just. He shall surely live, saith the Lord God. What he's saying is you're not going to put on this one what that one did. Everybody gets a chance. If he begat a son that is a robber, a shedder of blood, and that doeth the like to any of these things, and that doeth not any of those duties, but even hath eaten upon the mountains, and defiled his neighbor's wife, hath oppressed the poor and needy, hath spoiled by violence, hath not restored the pledge, hath lifted up his eyes to the idols, hath committed abomination, hath given forth upon usury, and hath taken increase, shall he then live? What he's saying is, you're not going, you're not going, how, how does the Bible say it? I'm trying to stay in the Bible. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You're not going to live like the world and be successful living for God. He that giveth forth, shall he then live? He shall not live. He, shall, he hath done all these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. All that saying is I'm responsible for me. That's all it's saying. All that's saying is each one of us individually, man, I wish I could teach this to the world because the world needs to hear this, personal responsibility. The world needs to hear this, taking responsibility for my actions. And we were supposed to have come out from among them. We are supposed to be separated from them. Oh, I thought that meant I couldn't go here and couldn't go there. Well, you ought not go here and you ought not go there. But it's talking about this and it's talking about this and it's talking about this. Living for God is more than meat and drink. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Is this all right today? He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. Now, lo... If he beget a son that seeth all his father's sins, which he hath done and considereth, and doeth not such like, that hath not eaten upon the mountain, neither hath lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, hath not defiled his neighbor's wives, neither hath oppressed any, hath not withholden the pledge, neither hath spoiled by violence, but hath given his bread to the hungry, and hath covered the naked with a garment, that hath taken off his hand from the poor, that hath not received usury nor increase, hath executed my judgments, hath walked in my statutes. He's saying, even if this guy has a dad that did all these things that were wrong, if, they, if that person, if that girl, if that woman, if that individual, decides I'm not going to live that way I'm going to live the way God wants me to live what did God say he shall not die for the iniquity of his father he shall surely live this is why when the 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 blind man that Jesus healed remember they came and said who sinned him or his father because they believed that generational curses could not be overcome. I'm here to tell you the Word of God says it can be, and it's on us. We have to decide, I'm going to live in dominion over sin. As for his father, 
because he cruelly oppressed, spoiled his brother by violence, and did that which is not good among his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. Yet say ye, why? Why does not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father? When the Son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes, and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You're not going to change that. We're not going to be able to, well, we, uh, I, I guess I'm wrong there. We do convince ourselves that because we're us, we can sin and not die. And I came to tell the devil, that's a lie. I came to look the enemy in the face and say, you're not going to lie to us anymore. God gave us this lesson and God is teaching us we can't sin. Now we might. And we have an advocate with the Father. But if we're running to our advocate ten times a day, something's wrong. Now, when you first come to God, you might. I, I did. When I first came to God, I made a big old mess. But, friend, I've been living for God 27-ish years. I ought to know how to do this by now. If we're still struggling with the same things we were struggling with when we were born again, we're not doing it right. The soul that sinneth. It shall die. The Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Now, for all those that may think, well, there's no hope for him that sinneth, thank God the next verse is in here. But if the wicked... If the one, if that man that, that the generation before was doing all this wickedness, what if he sees his son say, wow, man, my son started living for God and he's been blessed and he don't struggle with these addictions and he don't, he don't treat people this way and people don't treat him that way. What in the world happened? What, what's going on with my son? If the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Come on. That ought to make you happy. That ought to put a, a jump in your step. That ought to let us realize, man, I might have been messing up for a while, but all i got to do is stop, and God will forgive me, and I don't die anymore. I'm alive again. I'm alive again. Don't write anybody off. That cannot take dominion over sin. You better love them. You better know God does. If the wicked turns from all of this, he'll live and not die. And all his transgressions that he have committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. I wish you would. I'm going to do it in mine. I hadn't done it yet. I wish you would underline that in your Bible. That's powerful. That's powerful that a backslider can come back to God and nobody mention his sin. And there's a reason I'm preaching this. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. Now let me tell you why. That that's in there and you've heard it. I hope you graft it in. Because now, here's how sin works. I'm going to explain how sin works. If a backslider comes home and you mention what he did while he was gone, you just sin. That's sin. 
because sin is anything that is against the will of God. And God forbid a backslider finally comes to themselves in the pig pen and runs back to the Father's house and God makes them alive again and we say, no, he's dead. No, you're dead because you just sinned. Why are you preaching this way? Because backsliders are coming home. I said backsliders are coming home. God is making a way for backsliders to come home in His righteousness, in the backslider's righteousness that He has done, He shall live. Aren't you glad you can come back to God as a backslider and He'll one more time wipe that slate clean and He'll give you an opportunity one more time to live in the house of God. And we as the people of God, we better embrace them. We better love them. We better let them know we are glad you're back. Don't you dare pull somebody's past out and hang it over your, their head. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, God said? We want them to. Oh, come on now. This is where it really, this is where it really hits home. Oh, well, they hurt me. They need to pay for what they did to me. Did you pay for what you did to Jesus? You can't. And they can't. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live. But we're teaching today about taking dominion over sin. And we're going to read the whole chapter. It's in the book. We ought to be able to read it at Sunday school, right? But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? Is somebody going to sin and live? Is somebody going to spit in God's face and live? All his righteousness that he had done shall not be mentioned. As much as God doesn't want us talking about the sin that the backslider was delivered from, God don't remember everything good we did up to the point we backslid. That's a shame. I've seen people live for God decades and walk out on God. And God said, don't you talk about the good they did. Did I read it right? When the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he had done shall not be mentioned. In his trespass that he hath trespassed, and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Yet ye say, the way of the Lord is not equal. God ain't fair. Oh, God's the only fair one. He's the only just and wise God. Yet ye say the way of the Lord is not equal. How, hear now, O Israel. Hear now, O house of Israel. Is not my way equal? Are not my ways? Are not your ways unequal? When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and dieth in them, from his iniquity that he hath done shall he die. But that's not the end of the story. Oh, so you're saying if somebody lives for God and they backslide, they can't? No, that's not the whole point. The whole point is don't sin, but if you do, turn around. Again, 
Verse 27, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he hath committed and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that he hath committed. There is how to take dominion over sin. You got to turn. You got to quit doing it. And turneth away from all his transgressions that he hath committed. He shall surely live, he shall not die. Yet saith the house of Israel, the way of the Lord is not equal. O house of Israel, are not my ways equal? Are not your ways unequal? Look, we don't get to pick who's saved. I'm just thankful God let me be saved. I know the dirt bag I was before God found me. I just had to intentionally forget it because it's under the blood. And now I walk in life. We got to let people do that when they come home. Here's one way I tried to explain it to somebody. The church is here right now, just wherever we are, not in a specific place, just here's the church. Here we're in revival, whether you know it or not, and I think we do. We're in revival, God's moving, God's doing things, and somebody decides to leave. We don't stop and wait on them, we're going to keep on going. Now, when they come back, everybody say, when? When they come back, they remember the church back there. But we're not. We're up here. We have progressed while they were dead. But now they're alive. What does that mean? They're not on board with everything God's doing right here. We got to give them a little bit of time to realize God's been moving, souls being saved. We got God sending great people to the house of God. God's making people a part of the house of God. You better give them time to readjust. But here's also what we're not going to do we're not just going to throw them right back where they were when they left. Because if I put them back where they were when they left, there's got to be a time that they adjust and begin to live again. I'm just trying to explain to you when somebody comes back and you think that you, well, they ought to be doing this. Not, not till God says they're going to do it. Not till they catch back up with the church they're not going to do it. Are they going to eventually do it? I hope so. They're alive again. I don't look at them by their failure. I look at them by their life. But they've got to be grafted in where we are. Is this making sense today? I'm telling you the Holy Ghost is preparing new freedom for backsliders to come home. I'm telling you that's what this is about. And you've got to have dominion over sin so that when they come back, you don't fall into it and think, well, I'll just go out and sow my wild oats. And then, uh, That's the danger of being backslid. You think you get another day. None of us are promised another breath. And that's how merciful God is. Let me finish this chapter and then <laughs> we'll start part two next Sunday. I hope, you, I hope this is helping. I know it's not enjoyable to talk about sin because hardly anybody talks about it anymore. Oh, look, we're victorious. Oh, we're more than conquerors. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? It means I can live in dominion over sin. Verse 30, Therefore, God said, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways. Aren't you glad God don't judge you by somebody else? Aren't you glad you have the opportunity to be responsible for you? You're not bound by your ancestors to sin. 
O house of Israel, everyone according to his way, saith the Lord God, repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. That's how you take dominion over sin. You repent. You change how you're thinking. You change thinking it's okay to live against God. And you say, oh, man, I remember the blessings of God. I remember the people of God. I remember the house of God. I remember the word of God. Man, I want more of God. And you just begin to walk back to God. It's the hardest thing I hear people have to ever do because of this thing called pride. We don't have time to talk about that today. But look what verse 31 says. I, 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 this isn't in my notes because all I got is scriptures. God's fixing to send some backsliders home, and you better love them. Please, please don't look down your long sanctified nose at somebody that God allows to come back. It's a miracle if they make it back. Verse 31, cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. So to the backsliders. You say nobody here backslid. No, so I can still talk to them in the spirit. To the backsliders, I speak this in Jesus' name. Come home. Let's stand. To the backsliders, I speak into the spirit in Jesus' name. Come home. Come to yourself and come home. Look where you are. I'm not talking to you. Would you talk to them with me? Would you speak into the Spirit with me? Would you talk to somebody you know right now that's backslid? Call their name out in Jesus' name. God, save my daughter, Jesse. Come on, pray. Come on, we need to pray. Come on, save my son, Tyler, God. Uh, touch Tristan right now, God. Come home, Tristan. Tristan, come home. Joe, come home. We want you to come home, Joe. In Jesus' name, come home. We're not going to hold anything against you. Come home. We love you, Nathan. Come home. Won't you come home? I don't care what you got yourself into. I don't care what you've done. God will forgive you. Come home. Do you have a burden for the backslider today? Autumn, your mama, she can come home. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that today? You got to pray it. You got to believe it. You got to not hold it against them. You got to believe we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, and we can live in dominion over sin. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to look into your word. Thank you for another chance, God, to understand you're a merciful God. You're a gracious God. You're a loving God. Lord, we know you want them to come home more than we do, but we want you to know we want them to come home, God. We want you to draw them one more time by your spirit, God. I ask you today, Lord, that you would move on them, draw them by your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.